Forgiveness was born. 
precious blood of Jesus Christ, oh, come to the altar, the Father's arms are open wide, forgiveness was born with the precious blood of Jesus cross as you wait for the crown tell the world of the treasures you the guitar. She's just so good. And ukulele. ukulele. Fiddle. Viola. She can play anything from backing up dad here on his country gospel songs to Beethoven. She probably could. but uh, We're embarrassing her probably a little bit, but Sarah, is, it is so good to have you at the church. And listen, when whenever people go out in the world today, you know, and you go out, you, you just never know, you know, you never know. And having somebody, you know, uh, go out to the universities and, and be able, she told me, she said, well, I said, how are you liking it or are you? And she told me, she said, I really, I'm really liking it a lot. She said, you know, I could always profess my Christianity at Tulsa. She said, but let me tell you something. She said, at ORU, she said, it's openly done all the time. So praise God. You know, there's a place for everybody. Thank God, you know, for Sarah that she's got a place. She's got a home that she can go to in Oral Roberts University, you know. And uh, there's a lot of good Christian uh, friends there. She brought one today. So I am so thankful for what the Lord's doing in our youth today. And, you know, I know that the hand of the Lord is upon the children of God, and whenever they go out to the universities and they go out there, that they're safe, that the Lord has his hand upon them. So, Sarah, we love you. I know we're embarrassing you a little, just a little bit probably, but that's okay. We do it with love. Dad, come on up. As he's coming up, why don't you stand up and tell somebody that you love them, hug their neck, and uh, tell them that you're, you're so glad that they're here today.
Yes. Jerry, endure, run, throw, 
Yeah. And they went north to their daughter's home. They got, I think they're back in their home now. There was no other business. So we just, we were so thankful. That was the very first thing. Sure. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Good. You know, he's been so safe and we've all prayed for him. He's back at work. So we knew that they wouldn't be able to, uh, they didn't have flood insurance and that they wouldn't be able to do the work and get it back, absolutely. you know, like it was. So God really blessed them. Yeah. Well, there's going to be a lot of stories just like that. You've told, a lot of them will probably go untold, but. Uh, we just pray the mercy of the good Lord, uh, and then we'll do what we can do. Amen? Amen? All of us will agree to help in some way or another. Well, I'd like for you to take your Bibles, if you would, and open with me this morning to Philippians, the New Testament. Philippians chapter 2, verse number 13. Now, last week we had her sister. She uh, taught us some real good things uh, from the Word of God. I, I really, you know, love that teaching and uh, then I were, was going, and I shared just a little bit, but I've kind of changed up the message uh, that I had prepared for last week. I felt like this was the way the Lord wanted me to go. So I'm reading from Philippians chapter 2. I'll begin reading at verse number 13. I've entitled the message in a little series of salvation by the Lamb of God only, which we believe the exclusiveness of salvation is going to come through His blood. Uh, I've entitled the message today, Called to overcome. Verse 13 says, For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do his good pleasure. Amen. Do all things without murmuring and disputings. We are taking care of our mother about every night. There's four of us that go, not go at the same time, we go individually. And uh, we've been taking care of Mother, who will be 92 uh, next February. Uh, she's going through early stages of either Alzheimer's or dementia. She had part of her foot amputated, and that's been almost a year ago. And we have been with her, serving her as much as we can for that period of time. I looked over the other day. I'm coming in 35 to 40 miles to be with her. Connie does it the next night. To be with her, Dustin does it the next night to be with her, and my sister Laquita does it the next night to be with Mama. So I'm getting up early because I'm in 35 miles. I've got to go back that 35 miles, then I have to go another 35 or 40 on out to where we're working. And uh, so I'm telling Mom, you know, we go to bed there at her place, so we'll go to bed a little bit early. We'll get up, and then of course, not only the, you know, she has to use her walker and such, but uh, I'll usually read. F- from the Bible, but I was trying to do all of this real quick because I needed to be on the job at about 6.30 or 7 that morning, and so there's a lot of miles to come and everything. We try to get her breakfast. We always bring her supper, and uh, we do the little cleanups if we can and whatever it takes to do it, but I was doing my thing. I was really kind of running around and everything, and I burned her toast, and uh, so I thought, well, you know what? Uh, I'm going to give it to her anyway. I'm in a hurry. (laughs) 
And bless her heart, she was over there. She was over there. I looked over there. She didn't, this not murmuring or complaining. She never said a word. She had her knife, and she was scraping, scraping the toast. I said, Mama, I said, you don't have to eat that. She goes, no. She said, it'll be okay. She's so appreciative of what we do. And people are appreciative of the things the children of God do for them. Amen. Amen. You get a reward from it, whether they acknowledge that or not. So it says, do all things without murmuring and disputings, that you may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God. Do you know we are the sons of God? Without rebuke, in the midst, now look at this, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, and that word simply means people, among whom ye shine as lights in the world. That's a powerful scripture there, verse number 15. You see, it is God which worketh in you to will and to do of his good pleasure in the midst of a crooked and perverse people. You know, I think about salvation. I'm so thankful for it. So thankful somebody shared with me the message many years ago. But uh, when I think about it, a lot of times people think that salvation is a religion. But it's not a religion. It's a state of being. It's offered to any man who will make the basis of the everlasting covenant his by choice. The blood of Jesus Christ, Yeshua, the Lamb of God, to cleanse him from all past sin. So we enter into that covenant. And the Bible says that a covenant is certainly given. But then I think about it and I think about but the covenant, it's, it's a gift it's an agreement. It has to be accepted. It's two-sided, if you will. A gift is no good until it's received or accepted. You can offer God a lot of things, but if he does not accept it, it's only an offering. That's why when we read in the Bible the teaching of even all the way through of the sacrificial system, it was so crucial and so important not only that you offered it, but you offered it according to the requirements that God would receive it. And so we receive this new covenant. We thank God for the blood. It was the blood of that everlasting covenant. I really don't preach old covenant and new covenant. I preach everlasting covenant. Because the Bible says that he was the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. Now, somebody says, well, Brother Lee, what about... Salvation, I thought salvation was a free gift. I mean, it's free, but it didn't come without a price, amen. And uh, we're so thankful to be saved, to call ourselves saved. So we think about that. And uh, can I say this morning uh, that the good Lord wants people to receive his salvation. They want to receive his gift. And uh, then, of course, uh, we believe that... Uh, God's church is certainly who he's talking to in these scriptures. So, so few words are written really to the world. But so much exhortation and teaching and such is written to the believer who makes up the church. I want to go to Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16. I've entitled the message, Called to Overcome. And I'm looking here at the time when Paul and Silas had been thrown into prison for teaching and preaching the ways of the Lord. And I'll pick up quickly at verse number 25. And at midnight, sometimes you ever, you ever wonder about why does it seem like it, 
it always comes at the darkest or the latest hour, you know? And uh, when we read this, they were in the prison. The Bible said it was midnight. Paul and Silas prayed. They were even singing praises unto God. And the Bible said the prisoners heard them. Verse 26, suddenly there was a great earthquake. Thank you, Lord. So that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were open, and everyone's bands were loosed. And the keeper of the prison awoke out of his sleep. Seeing the prison doors were open, he drew out his sword and would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoners had been fled. But Paul cried out with a loud voice, and he said, Do thyself no harm, for we are all here And he called for a light, this is the jailer, and sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas and brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? There's something in the Word when the Word of God lands upon a hungry heart. Now, if a man ain't hungry for the Word of God, he may hear it, but he may not respond to it. But whether it was prayer, whether it was the singing, it was all the Word, and the Word was reaching out to this man. He, he was afraid that he, if the prisoners were gone, that he would be killed, so he was ready to take his own life. And he says, what must I do to be saved? And they said in verse 31, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and they, thou shalt be saved in thy house. Now listen to this. Listen to this. And they spake unto him the word of the Lord, unto all that were in the house. And he took them that same hour of the night and washed their stripes. He was even baptized, he and all of his straightway. And when he had brought them into his house, he set meat before them and rejoiced, believing in God with all of his house. Now, this was more than... A one man believed and everybody in the house got saved as a result. Oftentimes, people believe things that the Bible's really not saying, and sometimes they don't receive things that the Bible is not saying, but really is saying. And so I don't have a problem with any of this right here. But just because this jailer got saved, now without the other words backing up, uh, the truth of this, just thinking of this one scripture, thou shalt be saved in all of thy house, there has to be a little bit more to that, and there is certainly. But just because he got saved, his wife, uh, you know, the maiden, the butler, and the kids, the in-laws, the newborns, all of those that might have been in his household, you don't, they don't receive salvation just because the head of the house gets saved. But in this case, something happened. The Bible says that Paul and Silas spake to all that were in the house. So they took him, uh, they took them, and they baptized them. Now, what I understand by what is not said, they, they didn't baptize anybody that didn't want to be baptized. Amen? They might have said, you know, you could watch, you know, you can't get water. <laughs> but that would only be implications that you would, you know, kind of think about. But what was so good about this situation, got the whole family involved. The whole family was preached to. The whole family responded, bless God. And as a result, he was 
able to not only save this jailer, but he was able to, Paul and Silas were able to get the entire household saved. Now, I like that. You see, uh, uh, anytime you share the word of God, whether you're a preacher or whatever you are, or a lay minister or, or a believer, why not go ahead and believe for the whole house, amen? They don't get saved because you want them saved. They don't get saved because God wants them saved. There has to be some response, some follow-through. But thank God there was a whole bunch of follow-through right here. I like that. That builds my faith. Now, I want to go to Hebrews chapter 10. I'm going to try to go through. This is uh, uh, eating the Word Day and eating uh, the Food Day. So, you know, I want to go through this thing pretty good, but I want you to get the gist of what I'm talking about this morning. I want to look at Hebrews chapter 10, and I want to look at verse number 16. The Bible says, This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts, and into their minds will I write them, and their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. And then it says, Now where remission of these is, there is no more offering for sin. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiness by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he hath consecrated for us, that is, through the veil, beyond the veil, that is to say, his flesh. And having a high priest over the house of God, verse 22, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that hath promised. Verse 24, and let's, let us consider one another to provoke, that's a, that's a mighty word there, to provoke unto love and to good works not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Now look at this verse number 26. For if we sin willfully, after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, that is salvation or eternal life, or you know, the walk that we begin, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sins. Now, somebody said, well, brother Lee, what about grace? We know if we have, we know that if we have a, uh, you know, a heart that is really contrite, we're, we're really grieved over some sin that we've committed, we know we can go to the Father, we can pray the Father, we can have our sins forgiven. But when I read this, I see in verse number 26, For if we sin willfully, after that we have received, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sins. Now, there's something in the Bible that we know and we've talked about in times past called being called of God. The Bible says unless the Father draws a man, he can't come. You know, he can't be saved unless the Father draws him. And then the Bible certainly speaks about those that are chosen. And so we really don't have anything to do with the call and the choosing. That's all God's part. But there's another part that we also talk about, and that is being faithful to that salvation and to him that provided the blood, being faithful. So there's a call, there is a choosing, and there is a being faithful. That being faithful is on our part. That's what I'm talking about here this morning as we go through the scriptures. Now let's go to First Timothy chapter 6. 
1 Timothy chapter 6. And I want to look here what Paul says in the 12th verse. I've entitled the message, Call to Overcome. He's speaking to young Timothy, and he says, Fight the good fight of faith. Somebody said, well, I didn't know that you had to do any fighting when you got faith. Well, if you got faith, you're probably going to do more fighting than you ever did before you got any faith. Amen? Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on to eternal life, whereunto thou art also called, and hath professed a good profession before many witnesses. Verse 13, I give thee charge in the sight of God, who quickeneth, that means maketh alive, gives life, who quickeneth all things and before Christ Jesus. Verse number 15, which in his times he shall show who is the blessed and only potentate, the King of kings and Lord of lords. Verse 16, who only hath immorality, dwelling in light which no man can approach unto, whom no man had seen or no man can see. The reason we are to fight the good fight of faith is since we received salvation, we all called, we are called to overcome also, and here's the reason why. The reason why is because there's issues out there that are geared to work against your salvational walk. Now, when I think about all of those things that are geared against us, just for illustration's sake, I think about this, and and I don't like to get political or any such as that, but why not when there is so much opposition to that which is good and that which is right? And I'm just going to speak just a little bit. I think there's more than just senators and congressmen that are coming against what our president is trying to do for our nation. Somebody said, well, what could it be, Brother Brother Lee? It is Satan. It is demonic forces in high places. Spiritual forces that's working against that. God, and maybe just for a little breather, has given us a, a little hope in the way this socialist world is going. You see, the Lord's coming back. And maybe he's given us just a time that he can wake us up just a little bit. He can stir us just a little bit. We can rise up like perhaps Samson of old. Now somebody said, I know Samson, he, he, he perished in the final deal, but I'm just looking at Samson for a, a power or a source. God said it's not by might. Didn't he say that? It's not by powers, but it's by my spirit, saith the Lord. And so I think if, God increases us with spiritual strength and spiritual values. It's for a reason. It's not to fight against flesh and blood, but it's to fight against those forces that have come against every one of us, come against our children, come against our family values, come against our nation, come against us in so many ways. I never knew, never dreamed, never heard of it in any of the churches where they were prophesying, they always prophesied about certain forces and powers that would be there as kingdoms in the end time. But there was very few talking about this Islamic movement Mostly was Catholicism and, and, and communism and, and that such. But here we are now faced with an influx. I mean, this is not some, some religion that's just trying to, you know, just come in here and occupy and do their thing. 
They're trying to take over. They're trying to take your life and your ways of life and your Christian values away from you. Now somebody say, well, Lord's on our side. Yeah, but God has put us here for a reason and a purpose. Just like Paul and Silas, I'm sure they didn't deserve to be thrown in prison. They hadn't stolen anything. They hadn't taken from anybody. They weren't rioting and looting and doing all of that kind of stuff in the streets. All they was doing was preaching the Lord. And the Lord himself don't drag anybody to salvation. He honors your will. If you say, I'll have no salvation, I won't take that salvation from you that's offered, Lord. He may still want to work with you a little bit, but he ain't going to push something over on you that you, that you don't want. He will honor your will. Amen? He's that kind of a God. He's not pushing. He will make a presentation. He'll make a drawing. But it's going to have to be a little bit on our part, you see. And once God sees that and the door is opened up, well, then a lot of good things can happen. Now, let me go to John chapter 8. John chapter 8, I want to share a little scripture. And I want to pick up reading at verse number 34. Jesus answered them, Verily I say unto you, Whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin. It'll get a hold of you. It'll become bondage. It'll oppress you. It'll pull you down. And he said, But the servant abideth not in the house forever, but the Son abideth ever. If the Son therefore shall make you free, you shall be what? You shall be free indeed. Verse 38, I speak that which I have seen with my Father, and you do that which you have seen with your Father. Now, so just reading those passages right there, they ain't got the same Father. Is that right? One's got a, a father over here, and one's got a father over there. And so he's talking to the church folks, and he's saying, you see, I only say what my father has, what I've heard my father say. I only do my father's will. But he's saying, you are doing your father's will yourself. Verse 42. And so he said unto them, if God were your father, you would love me. For I proceeded forth and came from the Father. Neither came I of myself, but he sent me. Why do you not understand my speech? Look at these words. Is it because you cannot hear my word? Listen to this. You are of your father, the devil. That's some strong stuff right there. You are of your father, the devil, and the lust of your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. That's the devil. Now, we've talked about it a lot of times. Uh, Christians, and we'll just put everybody in, I really like the word believer, but we'll just say Christians. We're all believing and striving to go to the same place. And I believe with all of my heart, we are uh, sensing the Word of God in the same way as far as there's only one way to come to that salvation or to that eternal life, and that is through the blood, through the blood of the Lamb, the Lamb of God. 
So, I, you know, when, when we talk about that sense, we find that unity in our belief and in our Christianity. But when the Lord was speaking here, and these were to church folks, he was putting them in a total different category. He was saying he was not their father because they chose not for him to be their father. Now, when I talk about the enemy here, and I don't like to lift him up, but when I talk about him, he's the enemy of heaven. Is that correct? He's the enemy of God, correct? He's the enemy of salvation. We would say that is correct. He is for sure the purpose for overcoming. Someone asked if we are saved, then why do we need to worry about anything? Well, let me just say something for a moment. The word saved can also mean delivered. Now, the Bible says he saved the children of, e of Israel out of the land of Egypt. But the Bible says some of them fell in the wilderness. So you would have to say their salvation, if you use that term as salvation, he saved them out of Egypt. If you would use that term, uh, term there, you would find out that uh, uh, they, they lost, you would say they lost their salvation. Well, what they lost was their deliverance. They were delivered from Egypt. Doesn't mean they were saved like we would say eternal life, but they lost what we would also could say is their salvation. Now, it was like the jailer and all of his that were delivered. When Paul baptized them, just like when we were baptized, we, we, we've been delivered from our past sins, but we're, we're, be, we're to begin our walk of salvation. So when I think about that walk of salvation, then I could say I understand why the word overcoming uh, is so important to the believer. Now, I want to go to Luke chapter 22 real quick. Luke chapter 22, verse number 31. The Lord said to Simon, which was Peter, he said, Satan... This is Luke 22, verse 31. Satan hath desired to what? To have you. To have you. Satan hath desired to have you, Peter, that he may sift you as wheat. In other words, he can do anything he wants to do to you. He can change you from being a pretty good person morally whatever he wants you to be changed into. He desires to have you. The Bible says hell and death is never full. So he's still working, and of course we know what the Bible says. He's going to increase his tactics and his work as we get into the later hour. The Bible says in verse 32, the Lord speaking, but I have prayed for thee, listen to this, that thy faith faileth not. And when thou art converted... Strengthen thy brethren. Now, when thou art converted, uh, it doesn't really say Peter wasn't saved. I mean, it just doesn't use that word. But he said, when thou art converted. In other words, when you have, you're a little more changed, you're a little more mature, when you're a little bit more strengthened, he said, then I want you to strengthen thy brethren. Now, in verse number 32, it says, I have been praying. The Lord was praying for Peter. 
He was, he was not doing something for Peter and Peter not to be aware of it. He found that the way to reach Peter was to tell him what was going on. Satan hath a desire for you, Peter. He wants to sift you as wheat. But I've been praying for you. I have been praying that the faith you ain't gotten yet faileth not when you get it. Now, obviously, Peter had faith. And it was, whether you say, well, at that point, was Peter saved or not? I, I don't know whether Peter was saved or not. I won't believe he was. I don't know how you could walk, huh? Yes. There you go. And so when I think about the good Lord, I know somebody says, well, you know, all of the apostles, they, they was, uh, who was the one that betrayed him there uh, that night? and had to choose another apostle in his place. So I'm not saying just because the Lord chose them that they were saved, but he was teaching them how to walk the walk. Amen? And he was teaching them also when you do get saved and when you do go to the foolish you, and you want to strengthen your brethren and you want to do these things, he, he was saying simply that you're going to have to fa have faith and you're going to have to be an overcomer, Peter. Peter, I don't like to say that Peter was a doubter. I like to say that Peter, Peter wasn't afraid to go on and act on what faith he had. He may not have had the right amount of faith, but he had obviously had enough when he walked, stepped out of the boat and walked on water, didn't he? How, how many other people in the Bible have done that? Huh? Peter was able to do that, but he got a little bit, you know, frightened, as we all might. But what the good Lord wanted Peter to do was to be an overcomer in his walk of salvation. Be an overcomer. Don't be afraid to say, you know, I've always said this, don't run from God when you sin. That's when you need to run to God. He ain't hiding from you. He's not hard to find. You'll find him the same way you found him when he came into your life. Does that mean that we just do anything we want to do? No, the Bible says if you sin willfully after you've come to the knowledge of salvation, or at least into that area, there remaineth no more sacrifice for you, because really you have trodden it underfoot. Now, just looking at the reason for Peter's faith to hold now or later is really the real issue. Satan hath a desire to have you. Can I just say a few things about him this morning? He is a liar, amen. Can I tell you he's a murderer? Can I tell you he will tempt you in every way possible? Can I tell you he will roll over you like a, a big old freight train and he will take what he can from you? Yes, he will. Can I tell you something? He will take advantage of you in every way. Can I tell you he will steal from you? He will disguise himself. He will deceive. He will hinder. He will possess. He will oppress. He will condemn. He hates all good, etc., 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 that was three etcetras. That's, that's pretty good, isn't it? Satan, though, is not the only thing we need to overcome. Now, let me just take you real quick to 1 John. I'm going to bring this, bring this down a little bit here, and I'm going to wrap this up here pretty soon. But I want to go to 1 John. I've got a few more scriptures. 1 John chapter 5, verse number 4. And uh, we're talking about being called to overcome. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 4, For whatsoever is born of God, here's that word, overcometh the world. 
And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. So not only do we have to overcome Satan, but it may be even harder than overcoming Satan, is that, that is overcoming the world. Now the world don't see God like you see God. And the world really don't care much about your God. Amen? They don't care about that. They don't care about it. They, they, they didn't not like Moses. They just didn't like the words Moses spake. Uh, people couldn't keep from liking Jesus. I mean, he was a healer, provider. He could just do so many things, set people free, all of that we know about in the Bible. But that wasn't the reason they hated Jesus. They hated Jesus for the words that he spake. And they'll hate you for the words that you speak because they're the words of God Almighty. So there's a lot of hatred out there. And I could go into a lot of things talking about what it's, what it, how much the world tugs against us. And I'll just take you to one more place, and that's James chapter 4. James chapter 4, real quick. Because sometimes this is the one that really gets us is because we, we just don't feel like that's, a, that's really happening or can happen to us. James chapter 4, at verse number 4. Know ye not that, friends, that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Do you think that the scripture saith in vain, The spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth to envy? For he giveth more grace, wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Sometimes you've got to put your humility on display before this old world. It's not always just saying, get thee behind me, Satan, get thee behind me, world. It's not always going to happen that way. There's going to have to be a development in your life, in your walk. There's going to have to be something there that's going to show out from you that you are a believer and he has anointed you with the authority and power of his word. So when we come to overcoming, I mean, got to overcome the devil. That's, that's, that's not going to be done, done uh, just uh, one time. time. We got to overcome the world, and we certainly know that's not going to be done, be done, be done at one time. time. I want to I wanna take you to Matthew, Matthew, Matthew chapter 26, Matthew, Matthew 26, verse number, verse number 40, 41. Matthew, Matthew 26, verse, verse 40, 41. One verse. One verse. The Lord, Lord says this verse in verse 41. Watch, watch and pray, and pray that you, that you enter, enter not into temptation, for the, for the Spirit indeed is willing, but what? But the flesh is weak. You don't only have to overcome Satan, and I really want to say this not only on a daily basis, but almost continuously we have to overcome Satan. There's almost a continuous desire for the world to pull us under and so we almost continuously have to fight against the world and then certainly the flesh. And I like to call it self. My dad used to say, he said, Oh, flesh, you're my worst enemy. He wrote a song about that. Great, he was a great gospel writer and performer in music and had hundreds of songs that he wrote. But I like that. It's not my brother or my sister that's my worst enemy. I am my own worst enemy. Every time you get up to do something for the Lord, it, it's not somebody else that's stopping that or hindering that. It's yourself. And so there's this constant warfare, this constant warfare that is going on. 
And uh, it's an everyday thing. Now, I want to close with Revelation chapter 2. And I, I want to show you something here in Revelation 2. And so I have briefacated. I call it briefacating. In other words, I don't have to read you a whole bunch to get my point across. I'm going to give you the selected places. And none of them is going to be over, probably over a verse. But I want you to go with me to Revelation chapter 2. And did you notice that when you went to Revelation, it's not revelations. It's not revelations. It's revelation. It's the revelation of Jesus Christ or Yeshua. Now, I want to look here in Revelation chapter 2, verse number 7. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Well, here's what the Lord was saying to John concerning the churches. To him that overcometh. Now look what he says after that. I like to read a little bit of this after that in that same verse. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. That was to the church of Ephesus. And we could, I'm not going to name all of these churches because it might take a little bit too long. But I want to drop over into the second chapter at verse number 11. Here he has given it again in the verse number 11. He says, he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith to the churches. And the first thing that he says in any of these churches is usually the same thing. He that overcometh, and now he says, shall not be hurt of the second death. In Revelation 2, verse 17. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith to the churches. And then he starts out again. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the hidden manna. And will give him a white stone, and in the stone a new name written, which no man knoweth, saving he that receiveth it. And then when I look down, I'm going to look down, and I'm going to see in the uh, second chapter at the 26th verse. He that overcometh and keepeth my words unto the end, to him will I give power over the nations or over peoples. Now I drop into the third chapter of Revelation. I want to look at verse number 5. He that overcometh. He's speaking to the churches by the Spirit. Now you can call them dispensation of the churches. You can call them church age. You can call them what you want. But I'm saying we can learn from just exactly what we're, we're reading in the Bible here in the book of Revelation. He that overcometh. Verse 5, chapter 3. The same shall be clothed in white raiment. <clears throat> I will not blot out his name out of the book of life, but I will confess his name, his name before my father and before his angels. Isn't it? You see how these begin to go, and I can't quit until I've come to all of them. And it took just a second. I want to go to the, the third chapter, the twelfth verse. He that overcometh will I make a pillar in the temple of my God. He shall go out no more, he shall go no more out, and I will write upon him the name of my God, and the name of the city of my God, which is New Jerusalem, which cometh down out of heaven from my God, and I will write upon him my new name. Now look here in the twenty first verse of chapter three. This will be the last one. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also... What? What? What did he overcome? Probably more importantly than anything, what did he overcome? Satan? Why, he had already dealt with Satan. Did he overcome the world? Well, you know he did. But what was the biggest thing that he overcame? 
It was his self, his flesh. And look what he says here, and I like this. The Bible says in verse 21, To him that overcome will I grant to set with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and am set down with my Father in his throne. Call to overcome. Someone says, I never heard so much overcoming in all of my life. And that's the reason I can say, I rest my case. When we go out to witness for people, that's what we're presenting. We're presenting the case, the cause, the hope for people that are oppressed of the devil. The world has got them uh, by the tail with a downhill pull, and they're a slave to their own self. And in this book, it'll show you how to get the overcoming victory. Can we all stand together this morning? Now, I know it's going to take just a little bit for the ladies to get everything out on the, uh, the food and everything. We'll have to set some tables and stuff. So there'll be some that'll be in here praying. There may be some that want to come down front. And we always just say, let the Lord lead you however he will lead you. But we want to have a closing prayer. And I'm going to ask my good friend and our missionary to Mexico, I'm going to ask him to close with a word of prayer. Would you do that, Brother Bob? overcomers that you called us to be, Father, that you lift us up, that you, you support us, that you're always with us. We thank you that you told us to praise you in all circumstances, that you've shown us how to walk through the down times, to walk through the troubles, to walk through the fires. We thank you that you showed us that you were the example, that you've given us your word, and that you've quickened your word in our spirits. Lord, walk with us and go with us. Help us to glorify your name as we go out of this place and we walk on this earth. Help us to glorify your name and lift Jesus higher. Lift him up so that the world might see him. Let us lift him up and be the examples for other peoples to follow as we follow him. We thank you that you gave us Christ. We thank you that you gave us salvation. And we thank you that you've made each and every one of us overcomers. Yes, Lord. We thank you in your Son, our Savior, sweet holy name, in the name of Jesus, Yeshua HaMashiach. Amen. Thank you. Amen. 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 Amen.